We're finishing this series. So we started this series on Easter called Fake News. And we're looking at some of the lies and the fake news that's out there in the world that go against what God's Word teaches us. And this week, I think it's pretty powerful. It's an it's important one, one that we've all bought into and we need to hear. And it goes against fear. So I looked up this week, did some research. I looked up the top five top five phobias or fears that we have here in America. Um, so I think many of you might fit into one of these somewhere. Number five was this, the fear of social situations. Now, I know some of you, you love crowds, you love other people, you love parties, sitting around chatting, and others of you are so thankful for Facebook because you can be social at home by yourself. <laughs> and that's where you feel comfortable at, being social that way. How about this one, number four, the fear of heights. Now, I think this one was specific to flying, but it's this overarching concept, the fear of being in a high space and what that, that feeling you get when you look over the edge of something and you know you're high up. Um, this one, number three, the fear of spiders. Now, um, all the students here, um, Natalie's not here today. Um, I need you to know that Natalie, our youth pastor, is she's afraid of spiders. Now, I'm just... I'm just letting you know. I'm not recommending you do anything with that information. I'm just letting you know the information is true. And, all right, number two. All right, get this one. Number two. Don't tell her I said that, all right? Number two, the fear of death. Now, I see this one. Maybe it's not death as much as the fear of the unknown. I'm not sure. I'm not positive. I believe in this, but I believe in this. We just don't know exactly how that's going to go down. So there's a little anxiety that comes with that, the fear of death. And then this one, number one, the fear of public speaking. The fear of public speaking, right? So this is really confusing to me. I looked at this list and was it's very interesting. So what people are saying, what you're telling me when you fill this stuff out and you make this confession is that when you go to a funeral, you would rather be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. Am I right? Is that most people, you know, in this? All right. I think that's a little odd, but we'll, we'll make it work. So it, fear has been around for a long time. Since the beginning, Genesis chapter 3 is when we see it. And we're going to go there in just a little bit. So it's been around for a while. And regardless of how brave you seem, no matter how brave you make it look to everyone else, you're probably afraid of something. For me personally, I'm not afraid of heights. I actually like heights. I like being up high. It's fun. The views sometimes in those high spaces are amazing. And you have to get there in order to see all of that. Uh, the fall. I'm not even afraid of the fall. It can be exhilarating. It can be, you know, the, the feeling that you get and the rush um, that happens in your body can be really cool. For me, it's that sudden ending at the, stop, at the end, the <laughs> sudden stop. It's, it just can be brutal. Um, Thank you, somebody. I needed it. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> I'm afraid of telling jokes that go over like that in a service. That's my biggest fear um, is public speaking and jokes. All right, we're all afraid of something, right? <laughs> Spiders, um, public speaking, telling jokes in front of others, diseases, financial setbacks, old age, gray hair. Maybe some of you are afraid of that. I'm obviously not. Rejection disappointment, um, being left and being forgotten. Um, even in scripture, you read through this book, you're going to find examples of fear. It, it's all through this book. Um, Abraham, he lied about his wife, Sarah, because he was afraid. It's a great story. Um, Jacob, he was afraid of his brother Esau. Uh, Moses was afraid of Pharaoh. Moses was afraid of rejection. The disciples, they were out on a boat, a storm came up, 
they showed fear. They were afraid of what was happening. Now, for me this morning, and what we're going to do, we're going to take this concept as a big umbrella. So when I talk about fear, it's known by many names. Worry, anxiety, panic. I'm talking about all of these in a big overarching theme. Um, I am pretty confident. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert in this. But I'm pretty confident that I cannot cover all of those things in one sermon. All right, so, so hang with me on this. When I talk about fear, I'm talking about many things here, worry, anxiety, panic. Um, but I know we can do this. We can get a glimpse of what God teaches about it this morning. We can have an understanding where he goes with it and what he wants us to know. And the bottom line is that the Bible teaches us that fear is useless. Fear is a waste. It's an enemy of our faith. It's in direct opposition to what God teaches and where he wants us to be. Fear makes things appear different than what God teaches in his word. And we have to know that when you face fear, that it's a deceiver. And fear is lying to you. I have a pastor friend that talks about Satan, that talks about the tools of Satan, that talks about sin. Uh, Much like a Trionosaurus Rex. All right, so get this mental image with me here. Here's this big, mean, dangerous animal, but he's got really short arms, right? So he can't do much with, with his arms. He can't reach out and grab you and pull you in. You have to get close enough to him. But when you do, he's got a really tight grip and he'll hold on as tight as he'll devour you. You know, if you can get to that point, he's got a really, Satan has a really small toolbox, but he has a really short reach. Um, don't get close. Don't go there. Don't let him grab a hold of you or else it'll be hard to overcome. I also think of it like this. Um, think of a tiger with me and, and a tiger's roar. It's an amazing thing. The tiger is one of the most amazing creatures out there. A big cat, big, beautiful creature. And this tiger has puzzled researchers for years and years. It seems that when tigers hunt, when they go out on the hunt, they have a remarkable capacity to cause their prey to be paralyzed, to freeze when they get close to them. Um, This is what happens. Um, The tiger, as they're getting ready to pounce on their prey, it lets out this spine-chilling roar. It's amazing, right? You've heard a tiger roar before. Now, you would think that that would be enough. The noise of a tiger roaring would be enough to make any prey run with fear. It sounds like it would be something that would be common. You just run when you hear this. But the FUNA Communication Research Institute in North Carolina has done research on the tiger's roar. And they've found out that their prey actually will freeze when a tiger's roar. It lets out an audible sound that you're hearing now with your ears. But it also lets out a sound that we cannot hear, that you feel. And when the prey feels this sound coming, they can't hear it, they feel it, they're paralyzed and they don't move. And that's what our fear does to us. That's what fear does to you. Have you ever been in that situation where you were afraid of something, you got scared, whatever it was in your life, And you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to say. I don't know what step to take next. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to ask. I don't know what to think. I'm just 
paralyzed and I can't move in any direction and I don't know what to do. Fear does that to us. So let's look at some of the lies of fear and see if we can overcome this, all right? Lie number one is this, that fear is a natural part of our life. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've believed this before. Maybe you think this. Oh, fear is natural. It's who we are. We, we all have fears, and so it's a natural way of life. I think this is believable because we've all been there, and yes, we have had fears, and so we want to accept that it's just natural for us to feel this way. Many people have accepted fear, and so we've decided that it should be a normal part of our life. Well, let's go back to Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, if you have um, the Bible app open, you want to look at this. We're not going to spend much time here, but we're going to jump off of it with this one. Genesis chapter 3. This is Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, this is after they have sinned. So they have been told by God not to do something, and they did it. They disobeyed God. They sinned. And now we're catching up to where they're at in this spot. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said this. This was his response. This was Adam's response to God. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid. He was afraid of God. He says, because I was naked, so I hid myself. And it's not just a physical nakedness that he's talking about. He was exposed. He got caught. Red-handed. They sinned, and now they've been discovered. And fear sets in. And this is what Satan will do then. He'll take that fear that we have. He'll take this fear, and Satan lies about it. And he deceives us with it. And he capitalizes on our fears. And he takes us somewhere that we shouldn't be going when this happens to us. And he'll twist fear and he'll paralyze us from moving any further or doing something that we shouldn't do. And so you have to ask yourself, what's the cause of this? What were they really afraid of? Were they afraid of God? Were they afraid of something else? So let's think about it like this. If you're scared of water, if you're afraid of water, are you really afraid of water? Or are you afraid of drowning? It might be afraid of drowning, right? But it makes us afraid of water. And it's not the water that we should be afraid of. Uh, are you afraid of heights? Or are you afraid of the sudden stop? You know, if you fall. W- what is causing the fear? Are you afraid of God? For the wrong reason. Should there be some healthy fear of God? But are you afraid of Him for the wrong grace? Do you run and hide? Or do you come to him in that? Satan wants you to forget about grace. He wants you to forget that God is a loving God, that he cares for you and that he's going to offer you grace. He wants you to be paralyzed in your faith so your faith won't grow anymore. And so he'll twist it. He'll twist that fear into something that it's not. And sometimes we do this. We will end up blaming God for something that Satan has done. We'll end up blaming God for something that we have done, and then our fear continues to grow of him. I agree, there's consequences to your fears. Um, If we believe the lie that fear is natural, it will waste our time, it will waste our energy, it will waste our potential. If we believe that fear um, is natural, it'll slow us down. It'll keep us from following God where we need to go with him. And it won't stop with you. 
It's generational then. It'll affect your kids. It'll affect um, the people around you. It's contagious. Allowing fear into your life allows Satan into your life. And notice when Adam and Eve became afraid. It wasn't until after they sinned. Before sin, they weren't afraid. They didn't know fear. That's natural. Before they sinned, they lived in harmony with God and the rest of creation. Before they sinned, they knew God mainly as their benefactor, what God could do for them and give them, and they lived in endless freedom. But after the fall, they understood God as a righteous judge. And yeah, fear came over them. If Satan can do this, if he can twist it, and if Satan can drive a wedge in between us and God and cause us to fear him for the wrong reasons, then he can attack us. Then he can get to us. If we don't have that close relationship with him and Satan can separate us at some level, make us run and hide from God, then he can get to us. So the truth behind it, the truth behind this lie is that faith overcomes our fears. Our faith and our trust in God will overcome our fears. So lean into your faith. Trust in him with that. Now, some aspects of it, um, I want to say this very carefully. Some aspects of it is this, that faith is the opposite of fear. What I don't want you to hear is that if you struggle with this, if you struggle with fear and anxiety, that you don't have enough faith. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, so understand me correctly. But I want you to hear that faith oftentimes is the opposite of fear, and they work against each other. Faith and fear often can be those opposing forces, and oftentimes they function and operate identical. They seem to have the same characteristics, but going in opposite directions. Oswald Chambers, he said it this way one time. He said, faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. I believe that with our fears as well. Our fears oftentimes are of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm afraid. My faith is the same way. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust the one I'm following. I trust the leader of my faith. Therefore, I work towards that. I walk with God in my faith because I trust him. So grow in your faith, not your fears. Build your faith, not your fears. Romans 10, 17 teaches us how to do this. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We learn about God by this book, by studying him, by learning about him, it builds our faith. And when we build our faith, it pulls against our fears. Fear is strong. Fear has a strong hold. Um, When it grabs you, it is tough to get out of. Someone once said, when I get anxious, when I'm afraid, it's hard. And I can quote all of the verses, but it's still hard. And my answer to that is yes. (laughs) Absolutely. That is a true statement. Yes, it is hard. Fear is hard when it has you. But keep quoting the verses. Don't stop quoting the verses. Battle against that fear by building your faith, say those verses over and over. Be reminded of it so that your faith will grow in him. It's, to me, it's the side that has the most influence. Which, which has the most influence, your faith or your fears? Which side do you feed? What do you give the energy to? What, what takes your time and energy? Do you pour into and lean into your faith? Or do you trust and lean into your fears? You know, Adam and Eve... They believed the lie. They were deceived. 
And instead of building their faith, they ran from God, they hid from him, and they built and worked into their fears, leaned into that. Remember your faith. Grow in that, lean into that, and trust God with where where he is taking you. Here's another lie. Let me go one more other place with this. Another lie of fear is that a a good amount of fear is healthy for you. A good amount of fear is healthy for you. I think we've all probably been here before, and we've been motivated by this. I'm going I'm to catch this in just a second. We've been motivated by our fears to go and do something. So a good amount of fear is good for you to, to get up and work hard at something. Don't believe that. It's like saying this. It's like saying that a good amount of sin is healthy for you. So let's all go out and sin a little bit this week, and then we can trust more on grace. So let's do a good amount of poison is good for your body. Oh, look at that. It's some rat poison. I'll just nibble on a little bit of it, right? It's, it's good for me. Just a little bit. How much, how much is good for you? A good amount of lies keeps us focused on the truth. So let's just lie to each other just a little bit. Not very much, but just a little bit. And that'll help us build the truth and understand what truth is. No. I would never encourage any of that for you. It's not good for you. So let me break it down like this. If you can see this, maybe it will help us understand it. Um, an acronym for fear is this. False evidence appearing to be real. False evidence appearing to be real. So let me ask you then, how much false evidence do you want in your life? How much is good for you? How much would be encouraging to you? Do you want false evidence? Or would you rather have the truth and build off of that? Well, Scripture teaches directly against it. Philippians 4, 6. Many of you know this verse. It's a common verse. Many of you have heard it over and over. This is one that you quote when you get in that situation of fear. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about it. You know, when Paul was writing this to the church in Philippi, he didn't write, don't be anxious about these things over here, but these things over here, yeah, you can have anxiety about it. It's okay for you. No, he said, don't be anxious about anything. And I believe that when he wrote anything, he means it. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't let that concern overwhelm you. Don't be anxious about anything in your life. Not just some things, but anything. And I know, I get it. I've been there before. I've used it more times than I want to admit that motivating, a motivating factor can be fear. A motivating factor can be some anxiety. You know, I have a fear of doing this, so I'm going to work hard. I have a fear I'm going to fail, so I'm going to get up early. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best. To accomplish my goals, I use a little bit of fear to motivate me. Well, what do you want motivating you? False evidence or wisdom? Where should your motivation come from? Think of it this way. The difference between being driven by fear or being driven by wisdom. I, I think it's wise to have a savings account. In case something goes wrong, you have some money set aside in order to help with the situation. I think it's wise to have retirement. Some type of retirement set up so that when you're older, you can take care of yourself. There's wisdom in that. I think it's wise to have insurance, whether it's health insurance or life insurance or insurance on the vehicles that you drive. That's wisdom. I don't have a savings account because I'm afraid. I have a savings account because I'm wise with my resource. I don't have retirement or insurance because I'm afraid I'm going to wreck my car. I have 
insurance because it's wise to have that. It's a good use of my resources, and it's biblical. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, it talks about it like this. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, she prepares for her bread in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. It's wise for us. That should be our motivating factor. What motivates you to do it? Is it wisdom or is fear driving you to follow? Now, I believe that God is pretty blunt in this as well. He gives us this commandment 365 times in Scripture. 365 times it says, fear not. Or some version of that, do not fear, um, have no fear, fear not. Over and over and over and over again, it teaches us to fear not. And I don't read it as a suggestion or a recommendation. I read it as a commandment. He's telling us, fear not. This is something specific that he wants us to do or follow. Fear not. So how do we do that? You know, what's the best way in this for us? The truth is to realize that fear does not come from God. Fear doesn't come from God. That's not the source of our fears. God doesn't give us a little bit of fear. He says it doesn't come from him. When Paul writes to his um, protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says it this way. For God, has, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So when I read this verse, I think two things. There's two things that jump out at me, and you've got to under- see this. So help me break this verse down real quick. Um, there's two things I read in this. One, fear is not from God. That's the truth. God does not give us fear, and we've got to come to terms with that and understand that a little bit doesn't, isn't good because it's not coming from God. The second thing I see in this is that fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. Therefore, if it's a spirit and it doesn't come from God, it's coming from somewhere else. Whether it's this world or whether it's Satan, it's coming from somewhere else. And we are in a spiritual battle. The battle we fight is a spiritual battle. And if it's not coming from God, then do we want it? That's not what we should be after. Fear God, right? That's what the Bible teaches us. Don't run and hide from Him. Don't run from Him. But when it talks about the fear of God, if we're going to be afraid of anything, when we fear God, it's out of respect of who He is the creator of the universe, the creator of the spiritual world that we live in. Proverbs 9.10 reminds us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12.13, fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. To fear him out of respect for who he is and what he created. Again, I think it's a source of motivation. It's the wisdom of knowing who created everything and understanding who he is in that. And the spiritual battle that we do fight and that we are in. See, I often think that we bring God down to us. This is where we're at, so we want God to come to us on our level. And we compare him then to the things and the battles and the issues that we have in our everyday life and in this world. When I wonder if God at some point is looking at us and saying, Hey, don't be afraid of what others say about you. Be concerned 
about what I think of you. I think God looks at us sometimes and says, don't be afraid of losing your job, right? But be concerned about following what I have asked you to follow. Who are you? That's more important than what you do. I think God looks at us and says, don't be afraid of sickness in this short life. Be concerned about eternal life. Focus in on that. You see, the things of this world are temporary. The things of this world aren't worth being driven by our fears, but of our trust and our faith in Him, because your fear is lying to you. Don't believe it. Stay seated while the band plays this song for us this morning. When he told you you're not good enough When he told you you're not right When he told you you're not strong enough To put up a good fight When he told you you're not worthy When he told you you're not loved When he told you you're not beautiful You'll never be enough Stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire of fear. He is a liar. When he told you you were trouble, you'd never be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a hole. When he told you you were dirty, you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one, grace could never change your
amazing passage in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. It's a, it's a common passage. Many of you probably have heard it before. It talks about Christ coming to us and taking on our pain and our sufferings. The punishment that, that was given to him was for us. Our transgressions was poured out on him. He was crushed for our iniquities. And it says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. You know, when you're, when you're in that state, when you're afraid, when you're scared, when something has overtaken you in that, what is it that you're looking for? And I think it jumps out at me on this. The punishment that brought us peace. The peace that you can have because of what Christ has done for you. It's amazing. Again, in Isaiah, earlier on, chapter 26, verse 3, Isaiah writes it this way. He talks about this. He says, you, God, he's writing to God. It's Isaiah writing to God. He says, you, God, will keep him, meaning me, us, you, you and me. You, God, will keep us in perfect peace with those whose minds stayed upon him. Uh, God, because we trust in you. And so this is what we do, and this is what the Bible teaches us. So when, you're, when you're in that time period, to think on Him, to trust in Him, to put your mind on Him, to get that peace by remembering what He has done for you. Uh, Jimmy Evans, an author, he wrote it this way. I like the way he wrote this. He said, Jesus did not die on the cross to give us the ability to cope. He died on the cross to give you the ability to conquer. He didn't come to say, oh, here's some tools that help, to help you get through a time period of fear. He said, no, here's my son, and you're going to conquer this. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. You don't have to be a slave to your sin anymore. I'm not just helping you cope through this life. I'm giving you the ability to conquer this life. And when Jesus went to the cross, we can now live in peace. And he says, you've been adopted by him. You're, you're children of God. You're sons and daughters of God. Meaning you're not slaves anymore to fear. You're not slaves anymore to your sin. You're not slaves to that fear at all because of what Jesus has done. He has conquered that for you. And you don't have to live in fear at all. 
you can live with this freedom of what Christ has done for you and trust and believe in that. And it's his perfect love that does it for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he tells us this, there is no fear in love. I think he means it. I think it's a true statement. There's no fear in love, and it's this perfect love that casts out our fear. And the perfect love that he's talking about is the love that Jesus shows us when he came to be a sacrifice for us. And when he gave up his life, when he became that sacrifice for us, we can now conquer our fears. We have nothing to be afraid of. So there are some guys that have some trays, and in these trays are a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. They're reminders for us to put our minds on God, on Jesus, and what he has done for us. Help us to focus in on him, to lean into our faith, to starve our fears, to trust and believe the one who we are following. As I come around, and you're a believer in him, Take this and be reminded of what he's done for you. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your son. I'm grateful for the reminder. I'm grateful for the time that we have to remember that we don't have to be driven by our fears in this life. But we can conquer them. We can overcome them. And we can trust and follow you with faith. God, thank you for what your son did. Because of his life and his sacrifice, we can now live with that freedom. May we take this time to remember him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.